Now, Scott Mance, film critic, Access Hollywood's film critic. Like I always say, uh, he's one of the best film critics ever. Scott, you're with us on air. How are you, man? I am not worthy. Thank you very much for the compliment, my brother. <laughs> well, my friend, it is all about a record-breaking Memorial Weekend box office leading the way. The Wolfpack is back in The Hangover Part 2. This movie, since Thursday, opened with more than $137 million in five days domestically. You know, this is an R-rated movie, and it made that much money. So over the four days, it made over $105 million, which beats the record as the biggest opening ever for a comedy. It beat the Simpsons movie, which made about $74 million, and it's also the biggest opening ever for an R-rated comedy, beating Sex in the City, the first movie in 2008. That opened with about $57 million. Well, so now, is this a... Uh is it in the green now? Finally, you said what? Last week it was an eighty million dollar film to uh, produce. Well, yeah. Uh, the, compared to the first movie, the first Hangover two thousand nine cost about thirty two million. This one cost about eighty. But you know, whenever a movie costs eighty million, you know, eighty million dollars or or a hundred million, you start have to factor in that it's going to cost, especially a big movie like that, it's going to cost another fifty to seventy five million dollars to market the thing. So uh, that's, to say it's in the black, I think. You sort of have to double the production, uh, the, the production costs of a film, uh, the feature in the, uh, you know, also how much the theaters actually take from the ticket sales, uh, before the studio starts making a profit. So if the movie costs 80 million, probably needs to make about 160, 170 million before Warner Brothers starts seeing some serious coinage. Wow. Well, I, you know, I, I haven't seen Hangover 2 yet due to your review last week, and I have to say, I did see Bridesmaids this weekend. And uh, you're right on. Great film. I don't know if it was better than The Hangover for me. Uh, I, I went in, I think, expecting too much comedy. And there, was, uh, there was a little bit too much heart for me. I know I emailed you that over the weekend. Yeah. But that's, that's, the, that's the beauty of, of Bridesmaids. It's not just about, it doesn't just go for the laughs. There actually is a lot more depth to the film uh, than, than I think a lot of people expected. And I know that you, when you and I were, were uh, uh, getting in touch with each other over the weekend through email about the film, I know you mentioned that, uh, you know, you thought that uh, Kristen Wiig's character, you know, she just made a lot of stupid decisions. And she did. Uh, but the thing that made it really work for me, or at least her character, was you felt her pain. She's in her late 30s. She's single. Her business failed. She, she has to go back and live with her mom because she has no money. Her car is a mess, you know. So she just, finally, the one thing that she has to hold on to is her best friend. And then she finds herself competing with this, like, socialite for the maid of honor title. And that's, like, the last thing that she has. And she just, like, lashes out in ways that you, uh, you really still feel her pain, despite the fact that she is, in more cases than not, the cause of her own grief. Well, maybe Wig's character reminded me too much of my own life. <laughs> huh? well, <laughs> too close well, to Well, listen, I mean, I, uh, what I love about uh, Bridesmaids is, is that the... the, the the percentage drops every weekend have been very slim. For example, this weekend, uh, this past weekend, uh, Memorial Weekend, it dropped only 21% from the previous weekend. Last weekend, it dropped 20% from the weekend before that. Now, what that means is for a movie to fall only 20% week to week, it means it's actually holding on very strong. The word of mouth is very strong. People are hearing about it. From, from other people who liked it, so they're going to see it, or the people who liked it a lot are going to see it again. Now, traditionally, a big summer blockbuster like Thor 
or Pirates or any Men in Tights film will fall between 50 and 60% from week to week because everyone who wants to see it will see it its opening weekend, and then they just you know move on to the next film because there's a big blockbuster or two opening up every weekend. Now, you saw The Tree of Life again this weekend, right? Yes, I did. I saw it for the second time. Uh, this time I took my parents, and uh, I sort of warned them that it is not a typical uh, Brad Pitt movie in the sense that it's not just sheer mass entertainment. It's a very deep, heavy, cerebral movie that doesn't make a whole lot of sense the first time you see it. And now I can safely say it doesn't make a whole lot of sense the second time you see it either. But uh, it is a movie that asks the big questions, like the biggest questions, who am I, where am I from, why am I here? And it just, you know, again, watching the film, and I, I, I just felt like so aware of what it meant to just exist and i certainly didn't get that sort of profound sense of self while watching hangover part two (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny but now seeing it a second time what was it better than seeing it the first time i know some movies get better as you see them it's like a nice red or something nice red wine was this better well i still think that the movie i I still think that the movie uh tries patience in the sense that uh, it is long, and even if you surrender yourself over to it, which I love these kind of films, you know, whether it's uh, from uh, Terrence Malick who directed this film, or or the late great Stanley Kubrick, or you know, just any film that really requires that you just surrender yourself to it and just go with it. You know, AI, artificial intelligence was like that too. I just really gave myself to the film, and I liked where it took me, even if it didn't completely work. Um, I, I I guess you could say that. It made a little bit more sense to me. A lot of the inhibitions I had about it and a lot of my first impressions with the film were solidified, and I feel more grounded in the way I feel about it. Uh, but it is a film that I think, you know, the greatest reviews or the best analysis of, of the film is still years away from being written because it's the kind of film that you really have to wrap your, wrap your head right. around it. And I think just one or two chances to see the film just won't do it justice. Well, hey, Scott, thank you for uh, calling. I appreciate it, man. You're always a blast to have on air. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us about the films that uh, did well this weekend. And I will go see him. Well, we'll talk later this week. Later this week, we got a, we got another big winner coming up this weekend. I can, uh, without giving an official review just yet, I could say that X-Men First Class, which opens this Friday, is First Class Entertainment. Oh, <laughs> I <laughs> nice, love it. Nice. All right, guys, we got to go to break. Scott Mance, Access Hollywood. Scott Mance, uh, he's a film critic, amazing, like I always say. He really is good. He knows what he's talking about. Thanks, guys. I swear, listen, See to, you next listen time. to his reviews. Thank All right, you. take care, bud. Have a good one.